Verse 1 of Joshua 24. And Joshua gathered all the tribes of Israel to Shechem and called for the elders of Israel and for their heads and for their judges and for their officers, and they presented themselves before God. And Joshua said unto all the people, Thus saith the Lord God of Israel, Your fathers dwelt on the other side of the flood in old times, even in Terah. He's talking about on the other side of the river Euphrates. Terah was the father of Abraham and the father of Nacor, and they served other gods. He's reminding them where they come from. Abraham was just an uncircumcised idolater in his whole family. And I took your father Abraham from the other side of the flood and led him throughout all the land of Canaan, and I multiplied his seed, and I gave him Isaac. And I gave to Isaac Jacob and Esau, and I gave unto Esau Mount Seir to possess it. But Jacob and his children went down to Egypt. Hmm. Esau, he gave Mount Seir. But Jacob gave him trials, sent him down to Egypt for 400 years. You know, they need to be reminded. We need to be reminded where the Lord is brought. He said, don't forget the pit from which you were dug. And I sent Moses also and Aaron, and I plagued Egypt according to that which I did among them. And afterward, I brought you out. And I brought your fathers out of Egypt, and you came into the sea. And the Egyptians pursued after your fathers with chariots and horsemen unto the Red Sea. And when they cried unto the Lord, he put darkness between you and the Egyptians, and brought the sea upon them and covered them. And your eyes have seen what I have done in Egypt. And ye dwelt in the wilderness a long time. And I brought you into the land of the Amorites, which dwelt on the other side of Jordan. And they fought with you, and I gave them into your hands that you might possess their land. And I destroyed them from before you. That's why God brought them out. God brought them out of Egypt and brought them into Canaan to give them the land that he had promised unto Abraham. And he said, I destroyed the Amorites. Then Balak, the son of Zephor, king of Moab, rose and warred against Israel and sent and called Balaam to the son of Besor to curse you. But I wasn't hearkening to Balaam. Therefore he blessed you still, and I delivered you out of his hand. You didn't deliver yourself. He said, I delivered you. And you went over Jordan and came unto Jericho, and the men of Jericho fought against you. The Amorites and the Parasites and the Canaanites and the Hittites and the Girgashites and the Hivites and the Jebusites. And I delivered all them into your hand. And I sent the hornet before you, which drave them out from before you, even the two kings of the Amorites, but not with, not, but not with thy sword, not with, nor with thy bow. I have given you a land. Don't you see this? I've given you a land. You didn't purchase it. You didn't work for it. I gave it to you. That's a picture of Christ and our salvation. Everything we have in Christ was given unto us. We didn't work for it. We didn't earn it. And I've given you a land for which you did not labor and cities which you did not build. Do you see all those cities? They didn't build them. Not a one of them. 
God gave them to them. He used those people, the Hivites and the Jebusites and all those nations of the world, and it's still that way. God said, I give nations for you. This whole world exists just like a scaffolding on the building for God's church. And, you know, he's just reminding them, and he said, in cities which you built not, and you dwelled in them, of the olive yards, and I mean of the vineyards and the olive yards, which you planted not, do ye eat? You didn't plant them grapevines. You didn't plant those olive trees. They did. Why? Just for you. They tended them, watched over them. Now, therefore, he was reminded them of all that he has done What should be their response? Now, therefore, fear the Lord and serve him in sincerity and in truth and put away the gods which your father served on the other side of the flood and in Egypt and serve the Lord. And if it it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. Boy, he brought them to the point, didn't he? He said, you need to put away those gods. He said, you need to make up your mind right now whom you're going to serve. Choose you this day whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served that were on the other side of the flood or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. But Joshua said, most of you have heard this quoted, but as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. He said, I can't speak for you. I can only speak for myself. He said, but as far as me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. We're going to serve the Lord. And the people answered and said, God forbid that we should forsake the Lord to serve other gods. For the Lord our God, he, he it is that brought us up out of, up and our fathers out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, which you did, which did these great signs in our sight and preserved us in all the way wherein we went and among all the people through whom we passed. And the Lord drove out from before us the people, even the Amorites, which dwelt in the land. Therefore will we also serve the Lord, for he is our God. And Joshua said unto the people, You cannot serve the Lord, for he is a holy God. He is a jealous God. He will not forgive your transgressions nor, nor your sins. If you forsake the Lord... Now he's telling them, because Joshua's getting ready to die. If you forsake the Lord and serve other gods, then he will turn and do you hurt and consume you after that he hath done you good. And the people said unto Joshua, Nay, but we will serve the Lord. And Joshua said unto the people, You are witnesses against yourself that you have chosen, that you have chosen you, the Lord, to serve him. And they said, We are witnesses. We're witnesses to the fact that we said we're going to serve the Lord. Now, therefore, put away, said he, the strange gods which are among you, and incline your heart unto the Lord God of Israel. And the people said unto Joshua, the Lord our God, we will serve, and his voice will we obey. And Joshua made a covenant with the people that day, and he set them a statute and an ordinance in Shechem. And Joshua wrote these words in the book of the law of God, and took a great stone and set it up there under an oak that was by the sanctuary of the Lord. And Joshua said unto the people, 
Behold, this stone shall be a witness unto you, for it hath heard all the words all the words of the Lord which ye spake unto us, and it shall therefore be a witness unto you, lest you deny your God. So Joshua let the people depart, every man to his what? His inheritance. Everyone had an inheritance. Everyone, it was given. He let them go to their inheritance. And it came to pass after these things that Joshua, the son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died. Simple as that. As great as Joshua was after these things that Joshua, the son of Nun, died. The last thing he did was instruct the children of God about serving God. He being 110 years old, and they, and they buried him in the border of his inheritance. And Tim, Tim Nath-Serah, which is in Mount Ephraim, on the north side of the hill of Gash. And Israel served the Lord all the days of Joshua, and all the days of the elders that overlived Joshua and which had known all the works of the Lord that he had done for Israel. And the bones of Joseph, which the children of Israel brought up out of Egypt, buried they in Shechem in a parcel of ground which Jacob bought of the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem, for a hundred pieces of silver. And it became the inheritance of the children of Joseph. Where did they bury Joseph? At a parcel of ground that his daddy bought, Jacob. And Eliezer, the son of Aaron, died, and they buried him in a hill that pertained to Phinesis, the son, which was given him in Mount Ephraim. And now we pick up in the book of Judges. What are they going to do after the death of Joshua? Joshua is their leader. Joshua is their commander. Joshua is the one that God raised up and brought them into Canaan, not Moses. Moses could never bring them in. Moses, the law, can never bring a person into Christ, can never bring them into Canaan. He served his purpose. And when Moses died, Joshua takes them in. Joshua, the same word as Jesus. Jesus, our Redeemer, our Savior, our God. Now, after the death of Joshua... It came to pass that the children of Israel asked the Lord, saying, Who shall go up for us against the Canaanites first to fight against them? Who's going to lead us? Who's going to go for us? And the Lord said, Judah shall go up. Behold, I have delivered, delivered the land into his hand. And Judah said unto Simeon, his brother, Come up with me into my lot that we may fight against the Canaanites. And I likewise will go with thee into the lot. So Simeon went with him, and Judah went up, and the Lord delivered the Canaanites and the Parasites into their hand, and they slew of them in Bezak ten thousand men. Their life was a constant struggle, a constant warfare with all those ites, Hivites, Canaanites, Parasites. <clears throat> The book of Judges, it covers about 300 years from 1400 B.C. to 1100 B.C. The history of the Judges is filled with gospel types 
and chat us. It's about Israel, the church, and this world, and her failures and her weaknesses. That's us. And how the Lord delivered his people over and over and over again. They would turn back to false gods, and God would send the enemy to afflict them. And then they would cry out to God, and when they'd cry out to God, he would send them a judge which would deliver them by his grace. Doesn't that describe us? Apart from his grace, we're nothing but idolaters. Apart from his grace, we just look to the world and try to fight it in our own strength, and we're no match. But he is. They were 14 judges and all. The first judge was Othel, and the last was Eli. You remember Eli? The first part of the book of 1 Samuel? Eli was the priest and the judge, and Samuel, remember when, he, when his mother left him at the temple? That was Eli. These 14 judges. Four of them are mentioned in the book of Hebrews chapter 11. And what shall I say more, for the time would fail me to tell of Gideon, Barak, Samson, and Jephthah. The book of Judges leads us to the time when God will give Israel a king. A king. What I see here is Joshua, a picture of our Lord. Joshua, when he finished his work, the Lord took him home. And when Christ had finished his work, his work upon this, upon this world, he gave his life a ransom for many. He died, they buried him, and he rose again and was with his disciples for 40 days. Then he went back. But he's not done. He said, I'm going to send you another comforter. I'm going to send you into all the world, and you're going to preach the gospel to every creature. And you know what happens when, when the preaching of the gospel is, is proclaimed? Men are conquered by God's grace. They are the enemies of God. They're all idolaters, and God used these people to take them into the world to get get what he had promised them. It sets forth the one king that's coming, and one day he's, we know he's already king of kings and lord of lords, but one day he's coming. And they never did really take over. You know, they never really, even through the time of the judges, they never did take everything over. They couldn't. Couldn't and wouldn't. But one did. <laughs> Jerusalem. I want to get sidetracked, but Jerusalem. The city of peace. Melchizedek, the king of Salem. The Jebusites lived there, and they called it a castle. And they said, there ain't nobody coming in here taking us over. And David comes up to the city, and they mocked him. They said, you ain't coming in here. You know what the next verse says? David took it. (laughs) See, that's how men are. They think they've been there for so long. You're not running us out of here. Oh, yeah, that's our city. What is Jerusalem? The city of peace. He's the king of Salem. That's who David is. He conquered it. What man couldn't and wouldn't do, he did. But they dwelt with these people all these years, got used to them living there. Well, they, they just let them have it. Just let them have it. It's not theirs. Basically, they're a bunch of squatters. It's not theirs. It's Israel's. And David knew it. 
And he said, I've raised up a man after my own heart, and he's king. And let me tell you this, our Lord is king. These people of the world, they think they own something, don't they? <laughs> I'll say this, you know what they own, they're taking with them, which, which is nothing. Nothing. It's all, it's all his. It's all his. Joshua's gone home. And like it's our Lord, when he went back to glory, what are we going to do now? We've been with him for, for three years. What are we going to do now? He said, you tarry at Jerusalem until you be endued with power from on high. And they did. He promised to his children that he would send his spirit and he would lead them and guide them into all truths. You think about that. He gave us his spirit. And his spirit is not any less God. He is God. God dwells in you. He leads you. He guides you. He comforts you. The book here begins with a reasonable plea. Who's going to go for us? They know it's not for them to decide. They had enough reasoning to know we, we must inquire of the Lord. Joshua was dead. But there's land to be conquered. Who is going to go for us? Who will face the task of taking this land? And you notice they did. Now the Lord delivered these people into their hands, but they still had to fight for every inch they had. The Lord brought down Jericho, but they walked around the walls for seven days. They went up against Ai and thought they could do it in their own strength, and they failed. They're concerned, and we would have been concerned if the one we followed was no longer with us. And I can see the disciples, they have to wait. The Holy Spirit comes. They've never, never witnessed anything like this before. But he enables them. Who will go up for us? Turn to Exodus chapter 33, verse 12. <clears throat> Exodus 33, 12. And Moses said unto the Lord, See thou sayest unto me, Bring up this people, and thou hast not let me know whom thou wilt send with me. Yet thou hast said, I know thee by name, and thou hast also found grace in my sight. Now for I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way, that I may know thee, that I may find grace in thy sight, and consider that this nation is thy people. And he said, God said to Moses, my presence shall go with thee, and I will give thee rest. You know what, Canaan, don't, I don't want to talk about war and they fighting, but you know what it was? You know what Canaan was? It's a place of rest. Salvation is a place of rest. The, the war's done been won. And he said unto him, If thy presence, Moses said, If thy presence go not with me, carry, up, carry us not up hence. 
For wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not that thou goest with us? So shall we be separated, I and thy people, from all the people that are upon the face of the earth. He's speaking to us. Don't just read that as Moses reading it to Israel. I and the people, for all the people that are upon the face of the earth. He separated you. He separated you. Israel was separated. They were sanctified. They're his people. And you are. If you're his, you're separated. And the Lord said to Moses, I will do this thing also that thou hast spoken, for thou hast found grace in my sight, and I know thee by name. He said, I'm going to go with you. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. He doesn't give the Holy Spirit and then take him back. Once he gives you the Spirit, he gives you life, and you'll live forever. But who will go up? Our Lord, he answers immediately. Joshua, type of Christ, fades away, but the Lord sets up another type in its place, Judah. He doesn't tell them to go raise up Moses. He doesn't tell them to go dig up Moses' bones. Who's going to go? Judah. Who's Judah? It's the one God picked. The one God chose. If God, Christ, does not go with us, we cannot conquer any of our enemies. And the greatest enemy, the worst enemy of all, dwells within you. It's called an old man. An old man. Who else could it be but the one who is the head of all the tribes is Judah. Notice what they said. They said, who shall go up for us and fight for us? They did not say who's going to go up with us. He not, they didn't see him as one who would assist them. They knew he's leader. And he's Judah. We don't need somebody to assist us. I need someone to win the battle. Christ has returned to the Father. Joshua has finished his work and died. And Christ now sits at the right hand of the Father, ruling and reigning over all things. Judah. I'll give you some examples. When men are at their wit's end, like these people... Who's going to go for us? Imagine not having any leader. Your leader's died, and who's going to lead us? And he says, Judah. When Jacob, Judah's father, who was the father of all the tribes of Israel, when he refused to send Benjamin down with those brothers down to Egypt where Joseph was at, I think it was Simeon, I believe. It could have been Simeon or and I can't remember which one. But he said, I'll be surety for him. Jacob said, no, you won't. No, you won't. You know who was surety for that boy? Judah. Judah said, I'll be substitute for that boy. I will be surety for him. I'll take full responsibility for Benjamin. That's our Lord. 
He takes full responsibility for you. You know what he was saying? He said, Daddy, you can trust me with Benjamin. I'll take him down and I'll bring him back. And he says, if I don't, I'll bear the shame the rest of my life. He who brought him back, Judah did. Who keeps you, Christ does. Who is your surety, Christ is, that gave himself for you and put away your sin by the sacrifice of himself. Tamar, she played the harlot to ensure the continuance of the seed. And it was Judah who said, she's more righteous than I. Judah. When the tabernacle was to be built, who is qualified to build the tabernacle? Who has the wisdom to build the tabernacle. In Exodus 31, if you would turn back there, verse 1 through 3. And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, See, I have called by my name Bezalel, the son of Uriah, the son of Hur, of the tribe of who? Judah. I have called him Judah. I have filled him with the Spirit of God in wisdom and in understanding and in knowledge and all manner of workmanship. Boy, that describes him, doesn't it? All understanding, all knowledge, and all manner of work. We are his workmanship. Look what he's done. How did this man do it? God enabled him. Bezalel means in the shadow of God. He's the son of Uriah whose name means my light. Christ we know is the light of God, the light of the world. Ur was the son of Hur, which means freedom and liberty. Christ, the builder of his church, the king, the priest, the brightness of God's glory, the one who makes men free indeed, sprang from Judah. See how all the way through scriptures, God singled him out. Why this one? Because he is a picture of Christ. You know which which one our Lord comes through? When John was seeing our Lord in glory and he's seeing a book that was sealed on the front and on the backside and no man was worthy to even open the book, much less read what was in the book. And he said, I wept much because no man prevailed. And the angel said, weep not. (laughs) The line of the tribe of Judah, he hath prevailed to open the book. And he walks up and he not only takes the book out of the father's hand and he opens it up (laughs) and reveals it. This is our Judah. This is our Lord. See, all these things, this is what it sets forth. This is not just a history book. We know it's a book about him. He said, I've delivered Judah into his hands. Our Lord said, the Father loveth the Son and hath given all things into his hands. Not some things, all things. It's in his hand. Do you know you're engraved in the palm of his hand? No man's able to pluck you out of my father's hand, and no man is able to pluck you out of my hand. 
He's going to deliver these people, these enemies. In Matthew 3, 17, in lower voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. He chose him. He said, where two or three are gathered together in my name, I'm in the midst. We're going to see that when Gideon's going to fight the, the enemy, he had several thousand. The Lord said, you got too many. Whittled it down. He said, you still got too many. Got down to about 300. That'll do. <laughs> you know what he did? He delivered the Midianites into his hand. And let me tell you today, God is still delivering men into his hands. That hand of grace is also the hand of wrath that holds men's breath right in his hand. They're in his hand. Judah. Judah. We now go to possess the land in the name and in the authority of Christ. Turn to John 17, verses 1 through 3. He's with us now. Who shall go up for us? These words spake Jesus, and he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son, that thy Son also may glorify thee is thou hast given him power over all flesh. He has power over all flesh that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. What does he give? He gives eternal life. That's what he gives. You don't, you don't earn it. You didn't win it. He gives it. He says it's in his hands. And the amazing thing is that he reveals himself to it and Eternal life is to know him, to know what? To know that everything's in his hands. He can show you mercy or leave you alone. And this is life eternal, that you might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. Who descend, he sent Judy. Who descend, he sent our Lord. Who shall go up for us? Judah shall go. Nothing's changed. He leads us in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, we go through the valley of the shadow of death. We'll fear no evil, for thou art with us. Without Christ, we're like sheep without a shepherd. Israel, we're like sheep without a shepherd. And God raised up Judah. We're like an army without a captain. Why did, why did God choose Judah. It's simple. Judah is the promised one. Out of all those 12, he chose Judah. And you know then what the rest of the book's about? It's about Judah. <laughs> What's the book of Ruth about? Oh, it's about Judah too. <laughs> it's about Boaz marrying Ruth who had Obed, who had Jesse, who's the king. And then we go from Solomon all the way down till Jesus Christ comes, who's the lamb, the tribe or the lion of the tribe of Judah. You see that? 
if you ever see him, this book comes alive. And you stand in awe. There's so many pictures. We just see little facets of him. Just We see through a glass darkly, but we see him by his grace. We see him by his grace. Turn to Hebrews chapter 7. book of Hebrews shows the superiority of Christ over the law, over the priesthood, over the sacrifices. They all pointed to him. Christ is our high priest. He did not come from the lineage of Levi and Aaron and his sons. That's the earthly priesthood. Hebrews 7, 13, For he of whom these things are spoken pertaineth to another tribe, of which no man gave attendance at the altar. For it is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah, out of which tribe Moses spake nothing concerning priesthood. And it is yet far more evident that after similitude of Melchizedek. Now who is that? It's, it's, a, it's a mystery. And our Lord's a mystery. Who is Melchizedek? He just shows up on the scene one day. The Bible says he's without father and without mother, but he's the king of Salem. And he blessed Abraham. You know who that was? You know who Melchizedek was? I can tell you exactly who he is. It ain't, it's really not a mystery. It's Christ. <laughs> you say, did Christ manifest himself in Old Testament? Sure he did. Who do you think come walking in the garden in the cool of the day? That's the Lord. Every time the Lord spoke to anybody, he was Christ speaking. Who spoke to Moses out of the bush? That's the Lord. Who was it that came to Abraham? It was the Lord. He's after he ordered that the similitude, the picture, the similitude. For at, let's see. For it is yet far more evident that after the similitude of Melchizedek, there arises another priest who is made not after the law of a carnal commandment, but after the power of an endless life. An endless life. For he testifieth, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. And which tribe did he come from? Judah. We have a high priest. We can draw now nigh because he represents his people. Judah shall go up for us. We shall possess the land, and we shall be saved with an everlasting salvation because it is Christ who goes before us. And we don't have anything to fear. Peter and John, they were just fishermen, but God made them fishers of men. That's why he made them. And they went, and the, the people, the religious people, saw the boldness of Peter and John, and they took knowledge. They'd been with what? They'd been with Jesus. That's what makes a man bold. He don't have to be afraid. That's what makes David, who's another picture of our Lord, said, everybody else is terrified of the Goliath. He said, I'll go fight him. And when I come back, I'm going to take his head off. I'm going to go there, and I'm going to take his head off. Did he? He sure did. You know who did? Our Lord did. <laughs> When Jacob was getting ready to die, he spoke a blessing or a curse upon all of his children. 
If you would turn to Genesis 49, I'll show you this. And he prophesied, Jacob did, concerning his sons. And what he said about Jacob or Judah, some of the greatest words in all the scriptures. In Genesis 49, verse 8 and 9, Judah, thou art he whom thy brethren shall praise. Thy land, thy hand shall be on the neck of thine enemies. Thy father's children shall bow down before thee. Judah is a lion's whelp from the prey. My son, thou art gone up. He stooped down. He crouched as a lion, as an old lion who shall arouse him. Like I said, Judah means he shall be praised. And she conceived, talking about Judah's mother, and she bare a son, and she said, Now will I praise the Lord. Therefore she called his name Judah. He shall be praised. And there's only one that is to be praised. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name above every name that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow and things in heaven and things of the earth and under the earth and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Then he said, The hand, thy hand, shall be on the neck of thy enemies. Psalms 18, verse 40, Thou hast also given me the neck of mine enemies. When you have somebody's neck, you've got them pinned. You've conquered them. He's not trying to. He is. Men hate him. They despise him, and they're afraid of him, and rightfully so. This signifies utter dominion over all his enemies. Then he said, the father's children shall bow down before thee. What does that say? He's Lord. He's Lord. Then he says, he's a lion's whelp, full of vigor, youth, strength, and vitality, he has the power to save. He's not getting old. He's not some gray-haired man trying to do something that people won't let him. He's Lord. He is the lion's whelp. From the prey, my son, thou art gone up. Now listen. What is this saying? What These are similitudes. He's describing the characteristics of Judah, who's a picture of Christ. From the prey, my son, thou art gone up. This allures to the lion having killed the enemy and devoured him, he's now satisfied. He shall see the travail of his soul and he shall be satisfied. Then it says he stooped down, he crouched. This signifies the fact that he destroyed the enemy and devoured him in plain sight. He didn't carry his prey off into a den to hide it and eat it for fear that someone's going to come take it from him. <laughs> You're going to take it from him. Can you imagine the lion after it's conquered its enemies? You think you want to walk up and take it out of his mouth? He conquered it. It's his and he's not ashamed. He's not trying to hide it. None, none dare challenge him. 
Kiss the son lest he be angry and you perish from the way just a little. Listen, Isaiah 31, verse 4. For thus hath the Lord spoken unto me, like as a lion and the young lion roaring over his prey. When a multitude of sea shepherds is called forth against him, he shall not be afraid of their voice, neither abase himself for the noise of them. So shall the Lord of hosts cast down to fight to fight. For the she- so, so shall the Lord of hosts come down to fight for Mount Zion and for the hill thereof. Then as an old lion, who's going to rouse him up? He's not discouraged. He's not disheartened. He's finished the work. And he's satisfied. He's conquered every enemy. Isn't it amazing that he, what, what, the, what is it they call the king of the jungle? Isn't it a lion? Isn't it amazing how everything, everything that he's made points to him? You want to take it on? He's conquered. Who shall go up? Judah shall go up. Behold, I have delivered the land into his hand. And you know, that's what we do. We go into this world and we conquer every enemy. He does. He said, every place your foot walks, he said, I've given it.